Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. you like a $100 gift card for the 5150 apparel store well right now through the end of may you can get one all you got to do is follow knocking doors down on instagram like the contest post tag three friends and you'll be entered to be one of the five winners selected on monday june 1st must be 18 years or older to enter 5150 is a lifestyle we believe in pushing yourself finding your passion knowing your dreams and working hard always striving to make those dreams a reality we believe life's too short to sit back and say what if Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road ahead that you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. Listeners of Knocking Doors Down, head over to 5150LTM.com. That website again, 51FIFTYLTM.com. Welcome to Knocking Doors Down. My name is Jason the Chance, and here with the uh, the fabulously flanneled, tattooed Mikey. What's going on, brother? What up? What up? Of course, this month we are focusing on mental health awareness, and uh, we are doing this in conjunction with the Carlos Vieira Foundation. You can find out more about the Race to End the Stigma program, which highlights mental health by going to carlosvierafoundation.org right now. We even uh, have some scholarships there that uh, folks have been awarded, and uh, there's still opportunities to apply and inquire about that. And so it's a really great uh, program. Uh, interesting to see that uh, you know folks submitting things from uh, either their struggles with any sort of, um, of mental health issues or that of family members and how they... Uh, they counteracted it and were able to knock doors down, keep pushing forward. So great stuff. Great stuff. And uh, on today's episode, Mikey, we're going to be an uh, uh, interview that I conducted with an awesome lady, Elizabeth Sherman. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mother passed from cancer and um, she went through about a depression, which, uh, you know, coincides with our theme of, of mental health awareness this month. And, um, you know, had some really bad eating habits and things like that. And she took that adversity and things that she went through and uh, turned it into a positive. Now she's motivating other women not only to uh, get mentally, emotionally healthy, also uh, physically healthy and and really focusing on their diet and how it correlates to their health. Uh, Her mom passed away from breast cancer-related issues. That uh, They found that there was some stuff that that correlated with her her mom's diet, which is so important. And uh, she is just the definition of knocking doors down now, helping women. uh, Totally took her life in a completely different direction. And uh, so she's uh, she's an awesome lady. So that's coming up on today's episode. But I want to touch on 
the uh, drive-in entertainment going on. You know, I saw in Germany there was a, a rave that was done uh, where people stayed in their cars. But uh, <laughs> right? Do you like EDM? I love it. It's the best. Don't you, Klaus? Uh, so what do you think about these things being proposed? I've seen things like uh, drive-in concerts and, uh, you know, drive-in theaters coming back, which I love drive-in theaters. But. I don't understand why that stopped in the first place. A drive-in theater, you just, you know, I mean, I guess you got to roll your window down and talk to somebody to pay to get in. But for the most part, you, you're in your car. I, I mean... I don't know. Scan it through your phone, maybe? Like Apple Pay or whatever? I don't know. I, like Target Pickup. You know how you, they scan your groceries? <laughs> you can just scan that to pay to get in. I think that the drive-in theaters just fell out of popularity, and, and they so many of them closed because they take so, up so much land, per yeah, se, to true, have them. True. That, um, you know, there's just not a tremendous amount that are open anymore. I know in our area, we're, we're located near, uh, in central California. There's some uh, around us, I believe, in Modesto that they're looking to open one. Um, and they're awesome. I mean, I, I, I want to say I recall taking the kids to one when they were little. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for me, that's a win. I, I love getting out, checking out new movies. And yeah. I think it would be really cool for drive-in theaters to make a resurgence and, and maybe certain kind of sports opening back up, you know, or like golf courses, I think, are kind of starting to open back up to a certain extent because it's not a contact sport. Right. Uh, what other forms of entertainment for you like that you've seen? I mean, would you do a drive-in concert? Uh, it depends on who it was. Sure. If it were Guns N' Roses, absolutely. <laughs> Guns N' Roses, I would be there. Kiss, Zeppelin, ACDC, I'm there. But, you know, I... But that's any kind of concert. It depends on the artist. It depends on the artist. Right. It depends on the artist. But as far as, you know, drive-in movies, at this point, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Just trying to get out of the house and do something while maintaining a social distance, like, I'm all, I'm all about it. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, I probably, it's like, oh... What, what what do you want to go see, babe? Uh, let's go see that uh, romantic comedy. I'm in. I don't care. Yeah, let's do it. Whatever it is, let's go. Let's just check it out. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. So uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, some things do start to uh, lax a little bit, and people just practice. You know, if you're following the uh, recommended guidelines, I mean, you know, it's all it's all we can do. Well, and. I don't really know for sure what's going on, but I heard football was on as scheduled, which I hope so, but there would be no spectators. Yeah. Can you imagine? Okay, it's already weird. Like, you watch wrestling. Yeah. That's weird, you know, with no spectators or whatnot. NASCAR, I really don't think it plays that big of a role for the drivers themselves because they can't hear shit anyway. <laughs> no, but they can't football, hear a damn thing in the car. Dude, when you're at home, like, if you're my... You know, favorite team is obviously the San Francisco 49ers. When they're at home, it's loud as hell. And you know those football players feed off that energy. So to be playing a football game, just watching it on TV, it's like, that would be so weird. But honestly, I'll take that over football being completely canceled. Yeah. I'm a Warrior fan, so I don't mind basketball being canceled because this season wasn't going anywhere (laughs) for them. But for football, it would be weird. But honestly, dude, I'll take it. Right. Yeah, and I I know there's talks about baseball opening up. I mean, it's there is contact in baseball, obviously, and you're not going to be able to maintain any sort of six feet distance by any means. But uh, uh, you know, it, it I'm totally into it. I I've got no problem with that. And you know, I know revenue streams have to happen in some way, shape, or form. But mm-hmm. 
I, you know, it's funny. I didn't realize how much I would miss sports until they weren't on. Of course, uh, like you said, NASCAR, I watch a lot of motorsports. Formula One, there's really interesting measures they're looking to take there. NASCAR is doing these things where they're doing like double headers where they'll race at the same track within two weeks. Mm. Uh, that's been proposed in Formula One. Even Formula One is driver isolation where they're talking about isolating the driver drivers up to five days in like – and when I say isolate, I mean like by themselves, no one else no for like shit, five huh? days. It's like that's freaking bananas, man. I mean, but I don't know. They've got to, you know, kind of push these things. And there's hundreds of millions of dollars behind that sport. I mean, the cars themselves, I think, was the last report was like $45 million for, for each individual car. So I don't know. Hopefully we can start moving some things forward and, and yeah. I don't know, man. I, I hope so, because this is, I mean, what a world we live in, man. What a world we live in right now. It's just, when this whole thing, I remember hearing about it. I remember originally hearing about some insane virus going on in China, and now we're here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy how things work. Yeah, I uh, wholeheartedly agree. So hopefully uh, time will tell and we can get back to it. I know for me that, uh, you know, that outlet of uh, enjoying sports definitely helped me with my mental health. So, uh, you know, uh, hopefully people are just being able to maintain out there and doing some positive stuff. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got our interview with Elizabeth Sherman. Really interesting lady. You're going to definitely uh, uh, dig this one. And I know for me, Mikey, as a, a father of a, of a young daughter, that um, it's something I very much worry about for her and her future. Of course, sure. you know, my kids, everybody's kids, all, all the young ladies out there and any lady out there, um, you know, that might struggle with uh, – you know, not only depression, but the bo body issues and body mm -hmm. shaming and things that come along with that and uh, feel powerless to take control of their lives that uh, there is a possibility that you can do it. And Elizabeth is a great example of that. Welcome to Knocking Doors Down. Today, my guest, Elizabeth Sherman. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Jason. You're welcome. And uh, where are you talking to me from? Mexico? I am on a beach town in Mexico, yes. I love it. That's so awesome. And I know we're going to get into that a little bit, but uh, uh, of course, let's give a, a little bit of uh, background what you do. Um, you do weight loss coaching, which we'll make a distinction between that and um, and a trainer, which I really like how you point that out because your thing isn't about, all right, do 25 of these, do this. It's it's about really creating a new lifestyle for, for folks, especially really focusing with women and kind of changing the paradigm of how they think about weight loss and fitness and diets and kind of th that quote-unquote word diet almost being uh, – not taboo, but just just a shitty word to use, you know. Let's... Right. It just has such a negative context. And, you know, yeah. So we talk about diet with a big D versus a little D. Right. Um, diets with a big D are things that you are forced upon versus how you eat is just your diet. Right. Exactly. Well, let's get <laughs> into a little bit of background because uh, you're the yep. youngest of six children. So, I am. You know, what uh, What was kind of the childhood experience for, for little Elizabeth? Yeah, so I was actually thinking about that a little bit. And so, you know, I don't know that we know anything different than 
you know, our family experience growing up. Um, But I think about the lessons that I learned through that process and how it's molded me in being the person that I am today. And I do think that thinking about family dinner times and having eight mouths (laughs) around the table really formed a lot of how I viewed food, how I viewed my body and all of those things. Um, You know, my mom was really um, thrifty. And so her focus was how do I feed eight meal or eight mouths and do that on a budget? So, you know, not that she, and she cooked all of our homemade meals. Um, You know, we never ate out. And so, you know, the focus around dinner time was all about are you full have you had enough and so i grew up with kind of this weird relationship with food in that if you didn't eat it then (laughs) you you weren't necessarily going to go back for seconds and so it was eat as fast as you can and eat um you know to fullness yeah and so i think that that really formed a lot of negative uh, relationship with my body as well as with food. Yeah, I think I'm kind of on the opposite. Is that, uh, you know, hey, if a steak was thrown on on the plate or something else, um, you know, I might I might eat that steak, but the, you know, the veggies and the other stuff. And then I, I and I've been meaning to ask my mom about this because um, my story is probably a little bit opposite of was like, if what did I throw a tantrum and you just let me get away with it that I didn't have to sit and really like eat or you know what what was it because i still i kind of struggle in the opposite way of of getting in the good three meals as opposed to you know my habit is oh i get home end of the day and it's like man i've had coffee and water all day and then i'll just have this huge meal and then i'm like Mm. you know going to that sedentary Mm -hmm. just forget it (laughs) (laughs) so uh, let's um let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that you do in your personal time i thought this was so cool your roller derby name is Barbell. How did you get into roller derby? <laughs> you know, um, so, oh, I lived in Austin, Texas for 18 years. All right. And Austin, Texas is actually the um, birthing place of modern day roller derby. I didn't know They that. actually, yes, they brought it back in 2001. And uh, at the time that I played, uh, we had like 400 teams worldwide. Um, And so I actually did not play competitively. I played recreationally. Uh, And so, yeah, you know, it's such a weird story. Um, I had a friend who was in this league and it started out as the Austin Roller Moms. And so all of these women had like mom names and my friend's name was Betty Cracker. And (laughs) she, um, she wasn't someone that you would think like played roller derby. And so I was kind of like, well, if she can do it, why can't I do it? And, you know, I have to tell you that roller skating as a 40 year old (laughs) is totally different than when your roller skating is 10. because people aren't trying to hit you and throw you down on the ground and trip you. Uh, It it was, but it was a great experience because um, I never really played team sports. I never really played sports. Sure. And um, 
the women that were attracted to roller derby were just amazing. Like we had professionals, we had women who were librarians, we had women who were principals of schools. Um, we had women who were, you know, obviously unemployed. Um, we had, you know, lesbians, we had moms, we had just every woman spectrum yeah. was yeah. attracted to this and it really created an amazing i'm getting goosebumps talking about it um it created it. a an amazing uh sisterhood of yeah. folks that i'm still in contact with even though i haven't played in like 15 years yeah i love that dichotomy of people that that come together you know with my background in in rock radio and going to so many different diverse concerts over the years it's one of the things that that uh, while elizabeth and i are talking here you know the quarantine is still going on with the coronavirus and it's one of the things i miss because i love seeing all different kinds of people come together for one common enjoyment where it really breaks barriers down. And, you know, that's that's the things that I love, you know, that, that for me brings a lot of joy in life. And uh, so that's really, really cool. I dig it. Well, let's kind of get into some of the adverse situations that, that segued you into the great work that you're doing now. I mean, I, you, you know, you've painted a picture Growing up in that household and eat till you're full, you don't know when it is. And I really remember that stuff. You know, I grew up on ranch property and the families that was around like, here's the meal. This is when you eat. You know, you don't eat now. You go to bed hungry. And um, so you had some stuff that went on, especially health concerning your mom that, that really kind of that was kind of your aha moment. That was, as we like to call it, when you start knocking doors down and making that change. So what really, really occurred there for you that that led you to this this different lifestyle and now doing great work with with folks especially women changing their mentality about that yeah so you know as i mentioned in playing roller derby i really hadn't um been in sports growing up mm -hmm. we didn't we weren't encouraged to do sports we were okay. all encouraged to do um music and art and things like that and you know looking back at the um the attitude that my parents had towards the body was really that it was more of a thing to get you from point A to point B. Sure. And there really wasn't a lot of, I don't want to say thought, but intentionality in terms of health right. in our family. Sure. And in fact, there was a lot of um, judgment, in fact, of you know parents that were really pushing their kids to be in sports and, you know, they, they really didn't like that. And so they really kind of, um, dissuaded us from being active physically. Yeah. And what happened is that my mom got breast cancer and she struggled with it for a number of years. And I saw what the disease did to her. Right. She ended up passing away in 2001, and at that time, I had just started um, – well, a couple things had happened. One is I was in corporate America. Um, I was a high-value um, high uh, executive, and I was doing a lot of flying around. I had gained weight. 
Um, I didn't want to do that anymore. So I kind of changed my diet and I had started exercising. And so that was probably about two or three years before she had passed away. Um, seeing her struggle with the disease, it really, um, made me reevaluate my relationship with my body. Um, and what, being healthy means. And, uh, you know, I wanted to really, first of all, I wanted to make sure that I didn't go through the same path that my mom had been taking. And I, I could tell right then, um, at 32, that if I continued with what I was doing, that I was going to get this disease as well. Yeah. And obviously I didn't want that. Um, and so I started by getting myself healthier and really kind of enjoyed it. Now, I wish I could say that <laughs> it was just like a switch sure. from, you know, oh, you know, now my health is important to me. And so now I'm going to exercise every day and I'm going to eat vegetables and I'm going to, you know, eat organic and stuff like that. But I really struggled with the mindset for probably about, gosh, 15 years, Sure. Um, you know, trying to game the system. Sure. Like I was reading magazines and trying to figure out what is that one thing that I could do that would make it all make sense. Like I ate, I would make fake foods, um, like brownies that were made with a, a black bean base <laughs> instead of like flour. Right. And there's this phenomenon that's called the halo effect. Okay. And what that means is that when we think that something is healthy for us, we'll actually overeat on it. Right. So like I would make this pan of brownies and you know, it still has calories, right? Yeah. But I was like, oh, but it's healthy for me. I can eat it all, (laughs) you know? So those are the stupid types of like mind things that I was doing. And uh, it wasn't until that I I really got serious um, that, and at this point, I was already starting to work with clients. Um, So I got myself, I lost a bunch of weight myself and I was still working in corporate America. And I decided through the, through some coaching with um, a therapist, in fact, that I wanted to make a difference in the world. And my husband and I don't have kids. And usually people decide that they want to make a difference by having kids and trying to make the world a better place that way. And, you know, since I didn't have that, uh, I decided that I would try to help make people healthier because if I can, if I can help just one person avoid the disease that my mom had and her fate, then I feel like I will have lived my purpose. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's funny that you said that. It gave me goosebumps because, uh, you know, the whole thing behind this podcast is um, um, gentleman uh, Carlos Fiera, that uh, um, he's a president of the largest organic uh, sweet potato producer in the United States, but he had a 13-year addiction, and so he just put out a book after his 14th year sober about that, mm-hmm. and I am headed towards two years of sobriety. Alcohol was was my thing. And everything you're saying, it's kind of parallel in a lot of ways. And one of our mottos is, if I can help just one person, it would all be worth it. 
and 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 I know in our our emails kind of shed some light on people. You were like, I don't know, I'm not sure if I how much I really align <laughs> with the with the the mission of the podcast and what you're doing. And it's like you perfectly do because <laughs> I see it so much with so many people, especially. It's heartbreaking to me for for women that I that I know and I love and I care deeply about that that there's so many stigmas and they don't know where to start and of course the big D of dieting and you know body dysmorphia because they see all this stuff on social media and everything that I got to look this way I got to look that way I got to have this big huge butt and boobs and this little waist and all mm-hmm. these things and it's just never settling into what their their beauty is that's a internal and healthy internal that shines out. And, you know, so I, uh, it was valuable to me, especially a father of a daughter, that I wanted to speak to you because you, you've become empowered with it and you are empowering women. And um, so I think it's just so wonderful what you're doing. Uh, and so yeah, I told you this would be great, that you would be great <laughs> and perfect for what our mission is. Awesome. So what are some of the um, kind of techniques that uh, – that you work with ladies, some of the things you want to change, because what I'm hearing and talking to you was it was totally let's get out of the comfort zone to achieve su- mm-hmm. success. Oftentimes you just have to, you know, again, knock a door down, change the way you think, accept that success is a little uncomfortable. It's trial and error. So what what kind of is it for you when you work with folks on on just changing that paradigm? Yeah. Um, so. A couple things. So I started out as a personal trainer Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's kind of funny when I look back at my evolution, um, I was like, all I have to do is like, tell people what to do. Like, you know, just exercise (laughs) and, you know, just eat vegetables. And, um, you know, I, looking back, I was, what's the word, um, privileged in, in that, you know, I was like, this is all you have to do. It's, it's such a douchey way of thinking about it, but um, I guess I can call my previous self that. Um, but then I realized that habits were really important mm-hmm. for people, that, you know, habits were a way for people to uh, be able to manage their health. Sure. And, um, but see, the thing about that is, is that even for me, I was on point with my exercise habit, but I was not on point with my diet habit, as I told you. And so it was just really curious to me, like, why is it that some of my clients will be able to, you know, adopt this habit, but not that one or myself? Why was I really good with, you know, exercise, but not with eating? And, you know, when we start out on a health journey, you know, the easiest thing for us to do is to manipulate our environment. Okay. Okay. So, or like if you're going to quit smoking, you break all the ashtrays, you throw away your cigarettes, you, you know, throw away your uh, lighters and so on and so forth. For exercise, you would like put your shoes out the night before or, you know, clean up your kitchen, um, you know, do all of the things to manipulate your diet. But what happens is when we stress out, those neural pathways that were habit before Mm -hmm. 
automatically come back. And the things that we are trying to create as new habits, those new neural pathways haven't taken a hold yet. And the old neural pathways are still there. And so what happens is when we stress out, we just revert back to how things were before. Absolutely. And so if I create um, a healthy kitchen, for example, that needs to be maintained on a regular basis. Right. Because we got to create and those so, new connections that yeah, in the brain. Cause yeah. It's funny that you do it to, to parallel of someone's uh, listening, you know, for me with with um, alcohol is I've had days. It's it, We do uh, some open segments we call an open door where it's just uh, myself and some of the staff that we talk. And I talked about, you know, waking up in the morning and having like eight sparkling water cans sitting on the nightstand next to me. And it gave me a flashback because I am still, even though I am sober, doing behaviors that would have been at one point beer cans, you know? Right. So I haven't made those connections yet. I haven't made new connections. So it's really yeah. fascinating, I, you know, I, I, it's, that you're talking about that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what you're doing is you're just substituting. Right. 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 Um, it's the same behavior. It's just substituting a different thing. Right. Um, and so what happens is when, if you go down, so there, imagine a triangle. Okay. Okay. Um, a pyramid. Yeah. And there are five bands on the pyramid. Uh, this is the way that we actually change. And the further you go down the pyramid, the more effective the, the technique. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So at the top, you have your environment. Mm -hmm. uh, below that, you have habits. Okay. Below that, you have your skills. So, um, and I don't want to say that in order to change your behavior that you can't start with your environment, you can, and it can bleed all the way through this, this pyramid. Um, and so again, for, to put these terms into context, environment would be cleaning up your kitchen habit would be maybe food prep on Sundays mm -hmm. and then eating all your food throughout the week skills which is the third band down is being able to cook or being able to go to a restaurant and pick out healthy foods rather than just what you want. Right. Okay. Um, now the further we go down, then uh, the fourth layer is actually, actually let me go down to the fifth layer okay. and then come back up. So your fifth layer is actually your identity. Huh. So who you see yourself as. And then depending on who you identify as, you will create beliefs and values, which is the fourth band above yeah. that support that. So let's put this into perspective. So if I see myself as an athlete, then my belief is that I need to exercise to support an athletic body right. or I need to, or if I see myself as a healthy eater, okay, I will believe that these foods, eating vegetables and fruits and those good things are going to support a healthy body. And then I will create 
the skills that support that. I'll create the habits and the environment that will automatically support that identity right. of I am a healthy person. Right. Yeah, it really is everything that takes place in the brain. You know, it's kind of the... The first step, I think, is acknowledgement of the issue and then that desire to change and then working through those because, it, you know, it's, it's funny. I was, um, again, back to relay, relate to, to my own personal issues was I had to stop identifying myself for me as going, I'm an alcoholic. I had to go, I am someone that used to abuse alcohol and put that mm -hmm. behind me. And I think sometimes it, it's those things that we don't, we don't take it, put it behind us, and a real and accept that we can evolve because it's uncomfortable. It can be really it's uncomfortable. Totally uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it? What was it like when you first started working? Once you kind of got you know these foundational things down, working with folks, some of the transformations that you were able to see. Yeah. So um, it's really interesting. And so what we can do is based on the words we use and okay. how we talk, we will give clues as to what those beliefs and values are. Right. And that is actually so yeah, I'm now a life coach as well as a weight loss coach. And so I can start to listen to my clients and question their beliefs and values. Um, and, you know, I'm not, as a life coach, I'm not telling them what's right or wrong. Sure. They get to choose what beliefs and values that they want to have. Sure. But it's my job to point them out to them and allow them to say, I want to hold this belief because so many of the beliefs and values we have, we grew up with and right. we don't even question anymore. We just see them as facts of life. Right. Like what uh, you were saying about the way you grew up, the, the perception of at the dinner table and what mealtime meant. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's one of the weird things is, I, you know, we transition into adulthood. Uh, you know, my brother is uh, I have an older brother and he's so switched on. And, uh, you know, I've called him for advice. He's like, you know, you get to choose that. I'm like, no, I don't. This is the way things are. And he's like, no, bullshit. Things aren't the way they are. That's not the case. They're what you right. want them to be. You have right. total control. Are you miserable yeah. at work? Yeah, kind of, you know, not this job, previous job. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, do you want to go to work today? No, I don't. Well, then don't. Well, but I got, you know, I got to earn money. Okay, well, then accept that. But you can still choose. You just right. choose, the, the, you know, what it is, you know. It's like, ah, I love eating a half a gallon of ice cream. But then I'm also choosing to feel like shit in about 20 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, as opposed to let's eat something good, let's something healthy, get some fruits, some berries, whatever it is. And, you know, get out there with my kids and run around. So it's it really, for me, I'm still, as I said, uh, trying to break those habits of the addiction that I had to get into new ways of thinking, operating, you know, my new modus operandi altogether. So that's interesting. Yeah. You just kind of take people through through all the steps. So at the beginning, we create this vision of the future version of herself, uh, what she wants you know, her meals to look like, what she wants her day to look like, and really being careful not to create a perfectionist fantasy of what that 
is going to be because we're still going to have bad days. Right. We're still going to have, um, you know, arguments with our partner. We're still going to, you know, have conflict and things like that. And so then the next step is once we have that really nice picture of what we want our future to look like, then as we're making decisions, we call upon that future version of ourselves to guide us mm-hmm. in that process of transformation. Right, right. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it's funny. I was speaking with a gentleman, and he said, you know, Jason, this might sound morbid, but write your obituary. And I went, what? And he goes, well, when I was 22, he's a self-published author, and it, it's so interesting that all these different topic areas of folks like yourself that are so switched on that it's it's been a joy to speak with, there's so so many like commonalities in our transformation and in our ability and the way we think. He said, write what you would want that to look like, and it's not morbid. And I went, you know, I, I, I uh, emailed him back, and guy Dominic Brightman, and I said, Yep, I get it now. I am not hitting on the vast majority of these things. And it was to take that to amplify in a positive way of what you're saying about what is that vision of self. You're going to have bad days. It's going to happen. But when you write that, what your story has been in your book, those are just little things. That shit gets left out. But the goals that you've set and achieved and continue to push forward through all along— that that that's the lasting stuff. And I love exactly what you just said because um there's a term called the valley of despair or the okay. river of misery. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever heard of those no, terms? No, I'm not familiar. Okay. So whenever we go out and try to change something, it's never easy. It's never as easy as we think it's going to be. Oh god. <laughs> right? Yeah. And when we are in the middle of that just that muck where we're just like, this sucks. I should just go back to the way it was because it was a lot easier there right. because we're having, we're failing. Right. Right. Um, right. And so for drinking, it could be that you have a day that is bad and you turn to alcohol. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's just getting back on the horse and recommitting to yourself. And so um, uh, what we can do is acknowledging that it's not going to be easy every single time, but the result is going to be so much better than where we were. Yes. Um, and that's the payoff. Yeah. And, and, and it's part of the joy of the, the journey, too. Uh, how do you... How do you kind of translate that with, with the women that you work with, that, that part of the journey is really part of that that joy of this, you know, in the transformation that it's not, you know, because the thing that I've enjoyed about talking with you and that was really appealing to talking with you prior was, uh, you know, you, you're pretty honest. Hey, it's going to take you work. It's work, but so is life. So is success. Nothing is just handed to you. It's not the magic golden ticket. Right. And so I think that um, that's what I wanted to tie back to your previous statement Mm -hmm. is when you're on the other side of that, all of those failures of diets and 
exercise routines that didn't work out or trying keto or Weight Watchers or all of those things that in the moment we see as failures, when we tune into our future self, the person who has already achieved what we want to achieve, she's looking back and viewing these failures as, oh, that was just a, that was just a blip. That yeah. was just part of the process. Yeah. And so by really tuning into that and realizing that your success is inevitable, if, but the difference between someone who's successful and someone who isn't successful is that the person who isn't successful just gave up. Right. And so if you keep going, if it's important enough to you and you keep going, that it's going to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Elizabeth, if uh, if ladies want to get in touch with you, know a little bit more about you, how can they connect with you and and get the discussion going? Because uh, it's really insightful. I, I'm gonna I've got a few that I'm I'm sending your way here that I think should should really do it because uh, it's it's wonderful to hear it from a strong, powerful woman that has done the transformation. I've seen it where women have gone to men and men have a man's approach and and it just doesn't work. It doesn't have the grace. It doesn't have the poise, the kindness, the intelligence that you do. So how can how can ladies connect with you? Uh, you can find me at elizabethsherman.com. You can also find me on Instagram at esherman68 and uh, Total Health by Eliz at Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. It's a, I got to do it because I've been sitting here and I'm a pro wrestling fan having a conversation with Miss Elizabeth <laughs> and a cup of coffee. Uh, I had to do it. I had to do it. Thank you again to Elizabeth Sherman, uh, an extraordinary lady, just just a wonderful lady. Make sure that you're going and checking out uh, Knocking Doors Down on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can get more information on her and reach out to her. Maybe you're a... Uh, you or someone you know, a loved one that's uh, wanting her advice and help. Uh, she's doing great work with women to uh, not only change the ways they think about them, see themselves, but uh, take care of themselves in life. And uh, it's totally, totally awesome work. Good stuff. Well, uh, we've got some more exciting episodes coming up for you this month. Not only do we have uh, Frank King, he's got a, a form of depression where it's uh, it's pretty extreme the way that he looks at and encounters situations. So uh, something to maybe get some insight if you know someone that uh, does struggle with uh, different forms of depression as we highlight Mental Health Awareness Month here that uh, we'll be talking with him. And of course, later in the month, we've also got an individual who struggled with uh, depression and addiction, despite achieving some really great things outwardly. That's uh, Scott Stapp, lead singer of Creed. Uh, we'll be talking to him about uh, his addiction and mental health issues. Also, uh, we'll talk about his new album, which the lyrics very much and the theme of it correlate to the life that he's living now uh, as he's coming up near it's, uh, like five years of five sobriety. Years, yeah. And, uh, you know, really inspirational stuff to uh, to hear from someone that you and I have been fans of for a long time. Sure. That, uh, you know, you can turn your life around. And I, I one of the things that's uh, really interesting is, uh, you know, his attitude of no one is too big to ask for help. And so mm -hmm. I thought that was uh, really great. So we're looking forward to sharing that conversation with you again. Follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram. 
by searching Knocking Doors Down. And if you want more on the Race to End the Stigma program, a part of the Carlos Vieira Foundation that focuses solely on mental health and wellness, go to carlosvierafoundation.org. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. The Carlos Vieira Foundation, along with Knocking Doors Down, joined together with the Race to End the Stigma program. The Race to End the Stigma campaign was created to not only change the way people perceive those who are living with mental illness, but also how those who are affected perceive themselves. To find out more about the scholarship program, head over to carlosvierafoundation.org for more info. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knocking Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The con- Content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.